0: Welcome to Bad Dad, Rad Dad, where we look for better dads one movie at a time. I'm Kylie. And I'm Elliot. And we're going to talk about the movies we watched this week in our Rad Rap series, a series on series. And we have a guest with us today, Nicole Boycheck Hi. Hello. <laughs> we're going to talk about um, her series, Not Your Final Girl, that she curates at Metro Cinema, one of our favorite places to be. We're so glad to have you here. Yeah. Thanks for having me in your cool podcast lab. <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about um, who you are and what the series is? It's because this is its fifth year.
2: Yeah, yeah, fifth year. Um, the pandemic disrupted it a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, we originally, so the series originally started in twenty seventeen. Um, my friend Georgia and I, um, we both loved horror movies, and um, she was a, a gender studies major, and. I was, like, the the horror expert, so we thought it'd be really cool to submit a series to Metro in their first year of um, their guest curatorial series. Um, so we started that, and um, the first year was super fun. Like, we did so much stuff. We did, like, an auction and guests and that sort of thing. Um, and then, yeah, after that, it just kind of continued, in Georgia's... A lawyer so she got a little too busy so <laughs> I kept with it but uh she dropped off and um yeah it's like it's, this is its fifth year now I don't know how long I'll continue it but uh yeah.
1: yeah I'm kind of curious like where did your love like just kind of going back in the way back machine where did your love for movies and specifically horror movies and the horror genre come from
2: yeah good question I think you know, it's like one of those questions where it's like, well, I've always loved movies, but like truly, I when I was young, I lived like six blocks away from a Blockbuster and like that's what I wanted to do when I grew up. I was like, I'm going to work at Blockbuster. <laughs> so I think by the time I turned 14, Blockbuster had closed like a year earlier. I was devastated because mm-hmm. I could not become a Blockbuster employee. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Love of Horror I think kind of started – again, young, like my parents are big Halloween fans. Mm. Um, I could really just like watch whatever I wanted on TV. And I remember what, Oh, I think it was, uh, when evil lurks. Um, there's a quote from that movie and it's like evil loves children and children loves evil. And that's like exactly me. I was like, (laughs) I love everything spooky, but, um, for a really long time, I couldn't watch horror movies. I was terrified Mm. of them until I was like maybe 13 or 14. I would have to like watch them like through a little like hole in my hands. Um, And I guess like the first horror movie that I completely sat through was Hide and Seek, which is like not Mm. even really a horror movie. Is that the one with Robert Robert De De Niro? Niro? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. Love that movie. Um, And um, oh, yeah. So I think when I was like 11, I told my parents i was like all right like it's halloween like i think i'm ready for my first horror movie so they took me to blockbuster and they were like okay like pick what you want um and i picked uh nightmare on elm street three wow (laughs) i hadn't seen the first ones but i liked the cover a lot and i was like this one is gonna be the one that's that's not a
1: bad one to pick either
2: no it's like a really good one yeah um So we sat down. My parents hate horror movies. They're not big movies people either. So I don't really know like where the connection kind of came from, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we made it till the scene where the kid jumps out of the hospital window. And I was like, no, this is too much for my young mind. I need (laughs) to turn this off. And I think that's kind of what started it for like the next couple of years where I was like, I can't do horror.
1: And then I could. I think that's really nice though. Like just that, I love that you had enough self-awareness to be like, I'm ready for horror movies now. And that your parents took you on a trip to Blockbuster and you got to pick your own movie out. And then you also were allowed to be like, no, this is too much. I'm going to shut this off. And I think that that's what's important. We talked about this on the show a few times. What's important about kind of the start of being a fan of horror movies from such a young age is having the agency to be able to be like, Oh, this is too much. I'm going to turn this off. Cause I feel like if you just like our niece, I think has a, our four year old niece has a very high chance of being a horror fan. I, we can see it in her already, but if we're just like forcing scary shit on her, she's not going to like it and and probably deter her from wanting to do that. But I, I think that, her discovering things and saying what she likes or what she doesn't like, like we, we were hanging out with her the other day, and she just watched uh, Nightmare Before Christmas for the first time, mm-hmm. and um, she said that she cried near the end, and we're like, oh, like why? And it's because she really liked Oogie Boogie, and when he gets like unravelled and quote unquote dies, uh, she was really sad that that happened to.
2: Him. Oh, <laughs> rest in peace, Oogie Boogie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: So she likes like the creepiest thing in that movie and is sad when it goes away. So fingers crossed.
2: Yeah, there's like a blossoming there.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. She's, it started with Toy Story 3 with like the monkey that looks at the security cameras and she would like scream but not want to shut it off. So I think that's that horror thing of it's doing something to me that I don't like, but I also like it at the same time.
2: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I really don't like haunted houses or I thought I didn't like haunted houses, but I recently went on a trip to go to haunted houses Um, and I was terrified because like my whole life didn't want to do it. But Mm -hmm. as soon as I got in there, I was like, I hate this, but I'm having so much fun. Mm. And I think that's kind of like very similar where it kind of like sparks something in you where it's like kind of fun to be scared, even though it gives you anxiety
1: mm-hmm i i know the feeling we both know the feeling yeah really it's, well.
2: i don't like it but i like it <laughs> yeah yeah and so
0: i think that's i mean before we start talking about the four movies and this year's not your final girl something i found uh like we went to the four last year and we did an episode on that without you now we've brought you in <laughs> um is that these movies aren't necessarily firmly in horror So the concept of like not your final girl, can you talk a little bit about that and what you're looking for when you curate uh, the collection for a particular year?
2: Yeah, sure. So when it originally started, we, Georgia and I were just talking about how, and at this point I was getting really into film theory and I was reading like um, men, women, chainsaws Mm -hmm. and um, House of Psychotic Women and books like that and I was really kind of realizing that yeah like these movies that I had watched as a kid um just kind of had this like female archetype that was you know even though she was a woman they she was really like masculine and also but sexualized at the same time like she was made for men basically to like kind of align with but also be like attracted to kind of like this weird character and um I I didn't really like feel connected to that at all. And um, I noticed like a lot of the movies that I did like had like these kind of strong women at the front of the film and like strong in the way that they were just like crazy and fucked up. And they Mm. were like, that was the point of the movie. Like they were allowed to be that and whether it was bad or good, it didn't matter because they were like the main character. So I kind of wanted to explore that in this series, which I've done So, yeah, when I'm curating, I like really like to pick different types of characters and maybe we'll talk about some of them when we talk about the movies this year. But um, yeah, different women characters that are maybe doing bad things or acting like hysterical or crazy or kind of like that sort of thing. Whereas like maybe they aren't necessarily strong in like the final girl way and but they're still like their own person, whether that be a bad person or not
0: that a lot
1: yeah that's really great i just have one question before we get into the movies i'm just kind of curious having done this for the past five years is there anything that you've learned from curating the series and the films that you've shown or the audiences coming out is there anything that you've kind of taken away from it that has been interesting or really cool
2: yeah programming is kind of it's like a gamble in a way so when I program, I we originally like wanted to start with three films, but sometimes I do four or five now. Um, but we would do an international feature, a um, modern film and then like a an older film or classic or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it's really interesting because like people obviously love like cult films, but some of these films haven't necessarily had the chance to become cult films or have been relatively underseen. So for example, two or three years ago, we were able to show the 4k Resto of uh, possession. And those were two like sold out screenings um, because it was one of those movies that like had snowballed since the eighties and it become this like crazy cult film that was really underseen. Like you couldn't really see it unless you ordered like a weird, like Korean rip blu-ray where the, like the subtitles were off and all of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah, it's it's interesting because it really depends on, I think, the culture at the time and what people are interested in, as well as like the time and day when the film is programmed, Mm -hmm. which isn't always my choice. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely a learning experience, but it is a gamble at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like I'm stoked if like 20 people show up, but I'm like even more stoked if like 100 people show up. Yeah.
0: Possession is the best attended one that you've you've had. Yeah, yeah. We you showed it twice. Yeah. How did we miss both of those? I know we wanted to go to them. What mm-hmm. year was that?
2: Um, twenty twenty one. Oh, I don't. Maybe it was just we
0: weren't really going to movies again yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah. I remember seeing it and
2: being like, I want to go, and then we didn't, and I really regret it. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's so fabulous. Like I, I love Letterbox like being able to screen a movie and then see what people think about it after yeah. and mm-hmm. like how they feel that like makes me so excited. And one thing I really love about the series is like kind of being able to, like you're curating these films, but you're also kind of like curating community in a way too, Mm -hmm. Um, which is like one thing I've really loved over the last like five or six years is like being able to know that like some of my acquaintances and my friends and like people I just see going to the movies are going to show up and I get to see them and like give them this cool film and experience. It's so
1: cool. Yeah, that's so cool. And I, I like what you said about the letterboxed community too, because there's just people that have we've started following mutually that I haven't necessarily met in person. So it's always fun to go on letterboxed after going to a screening and be like, Oh, this person was there as well. And this still person still haven't
2: figured out what their face looks like yeah. we were at the same movie. Yeah, we'll get there. Exactly, yeah. Like reading just this past week, some of the reviews, I'm like, oh, okay, like this person I do follow in Letterboxd is there that's that's cool. Yeah, Love it. Mm-hmm. maybe totally. one day I will know who you are, <laughs> Mr. Mysterious. <laughs>
0: it's especially when their um letterboxed icon isn't their face, we just don't know. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't know who you are,
2: maybe I don't need to know. <laughs> yeah. Mystery forever. I'm just like,
1: oh, you look like James Spader. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: All right, should we talk about these movies? Yeah,
1: let's get into it.
0: So the first film that you curated this year was Our Father, the Devil, a 2021 thriller directed and written by Ellie Fumbi and starring Baptista Sadjo as Marie Cisse, Sulmaine Cisavan as Father Patrick, Jennifer Chippy as Nadia Benoit, and Frank Sorrel as Arnaud Charpentier. A uh, synopsis for this one is, an African refugee's quiet existence in a sleepy mountain town in the south of France is upended by the arrival of a charismatic Catholic priest, whom she recognizes as a warlord who slaughtered her family. We always start with the question, what did you think?
2: But I think I'm going to really start with, why did you pick this? <laughs> um, so with this series, this year, is, I actually didn't get the chance to see a lot of these movies mm. before I screened them. So this one I originally learned about, I think because it premiered at one of the early festivals that I follow. I think it might've been Berlin. Um, and I was just really intrigued by the title. Like I love kind of like Catholic imagery with like, kind of like devil, satanic, whatever, like that kind of contrast. Um, and when I was reading the plot line and watched the trailer, I was like, okay, you know, this would probably make a good, not your final girl film. So what I do is I collect films throughout the year that I hear about. And then, um, when programming I send a list and we work through like what's available distribution wise and that sort of thing. Um, So yeah, I picked this one based on title and trailer and kind of reading some of the synopsis over the internet and some of the reviews. Um, And it ended up obviously fitting very well.
1: I thought it was such a strong opening for the series. Cause yeah, I'm with you. The title alone drew me in. I thought it like such a sick title in line with, like, uh, Late Night with the Devil. I just, I love how, like, kind of straightforward that is. But in terms of the experience of watching it, I was just, like, consistently compelled throughout the whole movie and, like, where it was going to go. And I feel like so much of that rested on the shoulders of Babatita Sajo and her character of Marie. She just carried this film, and she was so strong and actually just... This pack, we this past week, she was nominated for a Gotham Award for outstanding lead performance, in like the same category as like Greta Lee for Past Lives and Andrew Scott for All of Us Strangers and Kaylee uh, Sp- Spanny for Priscilla. So she's amongst some like pretty big names, and I think she totally deserves to be there because she was this movie and totally crushed it.
0: Yeah, I, I felt the same way. I felt like this was when Metro does their little trailer of like the upcoming curation and it's not necessarily always matching on the screen with like what the series is so you're trying to kind of pick out which films imagery from this and then from the third film in the series kept like every time I watched the trailer I was like I want to see whatever that is um, and I think that that performance by Sad Joe is so like quietly powerful like she does so much acting without speaking in a way that I was really impressed by.
2: Yeah. She's an incredibly strong lead and I'm super happy to hear that she's getting awards and nominated or is getting nominated for potential awards. Um, cause you really don't want to take your eyes off her during the film. And she just like brings it through completely and nails the ending as well to kind of like bring the story home. Um, yeah, it, this one was actually my favorite of the series this year. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was so fantastic. And, you know, it kind of says a lot while also um, just being like this simple kind of revenge story in a way. Mm-hmm. I, one of Yeah, one of the things that I really appreciated about this film,
0: when I saw the imagery and heard the title and then um, heard more about it, what it was about, I was a little bit concerned of if it was going to be like intensely traumatic in its imagery. And I really just appreciated how Fumbi was able to create this clear understanding of the trauma that Marie has gone through without showing it and without feeling the need to just like make that a spectacle. Um, And trust that the audience is intelligent and empathetic enough to get that complexity and nuance without having to see the trauma. I really, I think that that's an, exciting trend in like newer films that are about highly traumatic experiences that we can get it without seeing it.
2: Yeah. Which is really important to me. Um, when I'm curating too, like I don't really want to show certain things to the audience if I don't have to. Um, so it's really nice when a film can do that and explain to you like why this is happening without necessarily showing you and traumatizing the audience potentially.
0: Yeah. And that was something I was thinking about just in how you curate this series and thinking about these four movies. And and we saw all of them last year. And then I think I've caught not the whole series in past years, but films here or there, that what you're doing with this series is really running counter to a lot of horror films that brutalize women's bodies. And that's the one of the quote unquote appeals of going to it. Like, And often that brutalization of of a woman's body to justify the later violence that happens, which I just don't think we need. Like Mm. I'm thinking original Last House on the left. I don't know that we need to see that to think that these are bad men. So I really, really liked that about this film. And I think that carried through in other parts of uh, particularly, again, the third film in the series. There's some really traumatic moments. And yet I thought that the film did a great job of not focusing on the like act necessarily.
1: Mm-hmm. which I like. Yeah, like I, I feel I, I was totally invested on the mystery that was unraveling about Marie and what her past was. And like, clearly it was coming from a place of trauma. Uh, and then what she has had to do to both endure and escape that past and the way that it's presented. Yeah, where it's it's through looks or lingering on, Marie's face or a slight action she might take. Like I just found her performance and the way it was conveyed just is so heartbreaking. There's a there's an element to it that's like inspiring in like the whole not your final girl of it all. And there's also just like some upsetting but like really badass stuff that she does in this movie, too. And then especially like once the titular Father Patrick enters the chat, immediately everything gets shaken up and deepens the mystery and the complexities of Marie even more it's like it's such a character study and that's just that's my jam I just love eating that stuff up and I I, I love I loved that even though you hadn't seen this it just fits so seamlessly under that not your final girl banner and that it was slam dunk for me
0: I think one of my favorite things about curated series at Metro or I'm sure anywhere that they do this in tandem with curation is like getting to hear the person who curated it speak beforehand. And so you spoke before each of these films. And when you spoke before uh, this film, one of the things that I was really informed the way that I watched it was you, you said that this film looks at when reparation is revenge. And I really liked how you said that. And that was kind of echoing in my mind as I watched this. And I think the film looks at the messiness of that and that there's not like a, clear cut way to find reparation when something that is so unforgivable has happened. I, I, I just layers in this one, I think.
2: <laughs> I think the ending of this film is really interesting too, within kind of the curated series binds, but also just in general that like, I don't want to give away like too much, but like at the end there kind of seems to be this like understanding or forgiveness, which isn't, necessarily something you always see at the end of revenge thrillers mm-hmm. um yeah so i thought that that like it was it's, it's really interesting because when you're kind of curating like a series about gender and gender roles and expectations blah 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 like a lot of the times like some of these movies are like directed by men or written by mm-hmm. men and it, i do like also bringing in men into these like movies that are about women and seeing kind of how those um like scales kind of teeter so i thought that this ending for that was really interesting as well
1: yeah i i like i i really liked the ending cuz yeah it's i feel like it is getting into what you said but i also feel like it's not like a nice bow on things like it's kind of like a first step kind of thing and i found that so impactful and the last shot of the of the film is so beautiful and just makes me as an audience member really reflective and allows me to sit in those feelings a little bit and yeah I felt like this was a we talk a lot on the show about uh filmmakers that trust their audiences this felt like an example of one of those films where they fully trusted their audience to take something something a little bit deeper away from it
0: without being directly told what you should feel
1: exactly Yeah.
0: Um, on a much less serious note, I love that in this film, Marie is so stylish. I
2: was going to bring
0: that up. Oh, yeah. Like oh, her yeah. lipstick. Yeah. I, her hair, her clothing. It
2: was all just so good. I love septum ring representation.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's every time I, I'm i like, should I? <laughs> you should. Everyone should.
2: <laughs> Everyone should. Everyone should. But
0: we also have to talk about one of the least stylish characters that have, has ever existed in cinema, which is, I guess, her love interest. Not love interest. Her sexual companion?
1: Yeah. He's kind of giving Aaron Eckhart and Aaron Brockovich vibes, if you know what I mean.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He is absolutely
0: (laughs) rizzless. Yes, you are not wrong. But yet, is he supposed
2: to be charming? (laughs) You know, I am not French, so I don't know what they get up to there, but I know it's not always great.
0: Yeah, it didn't work for me. His haircut was a, a tragedy, um, but she was really cool. Yeah, <laughs> and I think there's this like <laughs> to go back. Ab- to absolutely,
1: a- risless <laughs> is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Uh,
0: that's going so to become a staple on this show. Yeah. I, I now know um, Nicole trademarked, but yeah. we we're going to use it. Um, I don't want to talk too much about this, but I something else I liked about this movie is this like friendship and companionship as like a key aspect of navigating like a a traumatic past um and I feel like the film kind of just had that in waves throughout in a really beautiful way um and again not like a super obvious way all of the time like that the friendship that she has with Nadia is complicated and it it just was really beautifully done I felt at the end of this like I could have watched a mini series on this easily
3: Mm -hmm.
2: oh yeah totally Yeah, I think it's, um, I think, yeah, it speaks for itself, but I think, like, their relationship is really interesting because, um, what's her name? Uh, Nadia and the main actor, uh, main character's Marie. Yeah, Marie and Nadia, like, Marie obviously, like, lost her parents, and Nadia is kind of this friend, but also, like, parental kind of, like, figure in a way, and, um, I think it's interesting the way they interact because like Marie's lost her parents and she's never really had this kind of like relationship with them um, to be able to like figure out what happened to her or help like um, go through the trauma. Um, And I know like she trusts her, but at the same time I don't think she has that trust Mm -hmm. in her as like a parental figure, but more of a friend. So it's interesting to see how those two kind of go back and forth. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And what it, what I so love about that that friendship between Nadia and Marie is that I think you're right like I don't think that Marie is very forthcoming with her past and 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 rightfully so with what's revealed but Nadia doesn't have a full scope of what Marie has dealt with in her past and what she might be currently dealing with but I so appreciate that Nadia is there she's even acting as like a wing person like I don't, I don't know what you're up for or what you don't want, but like I brought this guy here. He is seemingly risless, but you seem to kind of like him, so I brought him here for you. Like I like that she is working with what she can to try to enhance Marie's life, and like what a great friend, but also a parent figure who is just trying to do the best by this person that they really love and care about. That was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Was that uh, was the friendship?
0: Yeah, this was a, a great. Like opening to this, this year's not your final girl. Um, we're going to add a second question to what we normally do, which is
2: uh, why isn't Marie your final girl? <laughs> that is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> she is not my final girl because even at the end, she is one of the last women on screen, but she has her best friend. Mm-hmm. She you know, is maybe she decides that she doesn't want to ultimately end up the same person as the pastor. And for that, she's a stronger and better person. And you can kind of see the path forward that she's going to be able to go towards her healing. And um, that's why she's not my final girl.
0: Then our last question always when we talk about a movie is how did our father the devil make you feel? You want to start? me
1: yeah um it's compelled appreciative and emotionally consumed
2: um it made me feel you know really excited about cinema i love when i can see a movie and leave and feel like it kind of enriched my life a little bit mm-hmm. um yeah compelled is a good word and i think um yeah like i don't want to say excited but like i get really stoked when i see a good movie so All around, I was very impressed. Nice.
0: And then I felt uh, throughout this movie just drawn into that complex nuance of forgiveness and trauma. I thought it was so beautifully done um, without any attempts at easy answers and that's what I want to see in a movie like this. Awesome. Very different tonal direction for the second film, (laughs) which I am so excited about and I can't wait to talk about.
1: And like, what a nice surprise. So the next film... In this series was the 2022 film Orphan First Kill, a, dry, a dry, <laughs> dry, dry. crime drama <laughs> horror film. It was uh, directed by William Brent Bell and it was written by David Cogshell, uh, based on a story by David Leslie Johnson McGaldrick and Alex Mace, and based off characters created by Alex Mace. The cast is Isabel Furman as Esther, Julie Styles as Trisha, Rosef uh, Sutherland as Alan, Hero Kananagua as Detective Donan, and Matthew Finlan as Gunner. Synopsis After orchestrating a brilliant escape from an Estonian psychiatric facility, Esther travels to America by impersonating the missing daughter of a wealthy family. Okay why did you pick this one for the series?
2: I love orphan. And when they released orphan first kill, I was just so excited. Um, so I think it came out during the pandemic. So there was no theatrical release. And I knew as soon as the first minutes, um, the first like five minutes passed that I was going to make this a not your final girl film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Esther is just like an, a hilarious character. Um, she's so clever and evil and I love that like I love that she's just evil and insane and like is just gonna like she's basically living her best life and like I support it mm-hmm. so yeah like I mean there wasn't anything super deep when I was like curating this besides the fact that I like wanted people to have a fun film that they could watch in the series and um Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just love it. Uh,
1: No, I love that. I love, I love that it's not about necessarily finding the, the most heady or the most dramatic or heavy film to show in the series. But if there's something that's just fun and fits in really well and is compelling, not just to you, but could be enjoyed by the audience that attends Not Your Final Girl or as a kind of conduit film into the Not Your Final Girl series, I think. I think that's so great because, yeah, this one, I'm just like a sequel to Orphan. And like we watched Orphan when it came out and we were just kind of like lukewarm about it. We were totally ready for her head to fall off as soon as she took off her neck oh, thing.
2: I know. I don't know why they didn't like put that in there. It'd be really good.
1: But yeah, this film totally 180 my my view on the series, but also, yeah, the character of Esther and it was just such a pleasant surprise. So what did you two think of it? Kylie, why don't we start with you?
0: Um, so I, it had been so long since I had seen the original Orphan, but I liked it. Like I thought it was so ridiculous. and But also, I, I don't remember it super well, but I feel like it is gory. Like enough, like that I had a good time with that. Um, and everyone in both that film and this film seems so on board and in this one, it just goes like full camp at a certain point, which is amazing. Um, it, it was so much more fun than I expected it to be, which was such a pleasant surprise. Uh, I did like this was one that you had seen before and I knew that you liked it. So I had faith in that. But I had such a fun time with it.
2: Yeah, I exactly like it's just fun. Um, I love Esther as a character and I love that the actress um, I think Isabel Furman is her name that she was able to like reprise her role or I guess like what's the opposite of reprise? Cause it's like technically a sequel, but like, I thought that was really cool too. That like, I don't know when did 2009 happen? Like so many years later that she can go back and like, you know, bring it and still look relatively the same. Yeah. And like you said, it goes full camp. Like it's hilarious. And, like, one thing I really appreciate this film is I think it's kind of innovative. Like, I love the, like, the painting artwork, like, blacklight thing. Mm -hmm. When that first came out in 2009, I was like, wow, that's, like, amazing. That's mind-blowing. Like, wow, so (laughs) crazy. And I love that they kind of bring that back and string it through. Like, it's, like, in this you learn where that started from. And, yeah, it's it's so cool.
1: It is really cool. I didn't remember that from... The the first one. So you said that. I think I need to revisit the first mm-hmm. orphan movie. But it's something that I found so charming and where I see I can totally see audience members being not as taken with it as I am, is that yeah, she is returning. She is an older person, but I loved that they pulled out of their little bag of tricks ways to make her look small, whether that was using like an actual child and just showing the back, or literally just like putting adults like higher up. Or putting yeah. the camera really low down. I like, just move
0: over Lord of the Rings Gandalf scene. <laughs> Have you seen Orphan First Kill?
1: <laughs> and like some of it, like I I wasn't necessarily pulled out, but I knew what they were doing and I found it charming and it mm-hmm. added to the whole experience for me. I, I thought that that was really fun. But I, I was also just so impressed both with that but the overall craft of the film like they went harder on things than they, I think they needed to like there's a whole stylish one when she's escaping at the beginning of the movie and like it didn't need to be a one like this is not a movie that needs to go that way or be as stylish as that but I'm like oh fuck this is sick as hell I, <laughs> I, I love this so much and it's just like right off the top of the film I'm like oh man we're in for a real treat here um but yeah, like I, I, I feel like this is such a rare thing that can happen, where not only a sequel in a series, but a sequel that is also a prequel, can be so strong and be more and be so memorable that it would make me want to revisit the first in the series.
0: Have you seen the first one quite a few times, Nicole?
2: Yeah, it's one that um, I've revisited quite a bit. I would call it kind of like a comfort movie mm-hmm. in a way. Um so yeah, it's like something I really enjoy. And um yeah, I think like like you said, it's just fairly, very stylish. Like the beginning of the film to the point where she escapes, I was just like blown away the first like, I don't know, what is it, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then it just keeps building on that and building. And um yeah, I thought it was just like such an interesting way to make a prequel to like maybe a movie that didn't need it but like I'm so happy that they did.
0: Yeah and this was a fun one to see in theaters because I feel like everyone who came out for this show was like all in and there was a lot of like laughter but like communal and not at the film like with the film mm-hmm. Um, I had a blast like watching it with other people and just when it goes full send
3: <laughs> it's really <laughs>
0: It's yeah. really great.
1: Like, I I haven't been as taken with a twist in a film, I feel, in recent mm-hmm. memory as I was with this one. Like, as soon as it's revealed, I'm like, holy shit. Like, it, this is like, it's ascended to a whole nother level. And I would watch this film a dozen more times. I think Oh, for it, sure. I think it's so good. And yeah, I want to do the one-two punch and, and getting... Um, save the last dance herself Julia Stiles and on this too like it, it's I really like when she shows up even in like I don't think the remake of the omen that she was in was particularly good but there's a dream sequence in that movie that really that still fucks me up to this day but she does a great job in that movie yeah I quite like her was she in Dexter
2: I think she was in Dexter, Have you seen Dexter? I've never seen Dexter I mean even though it's okay. like Edmonton like you know inspired by Edmonton events I haven't seen it. I have a.
0: I I just really loved this quote and I felt like Nicole, you'd especially like it um, from a film reviewer uh, who really liked Orphan First Kill. So his name is Maxon Maxon Vincent. And this was what he had to say about the movie said, quote, I'll even go out on a limb and say that I had more fun watching this than I did the first one. I would highly recommend doing a double feature with both. They're some of the most fascinating horror films from a mainstream studio and should hopefully reignite Hollywood's flame to make more horror movies that truly don't care about the audience's preconceived expectations and throw them off the guard the minute they get comfortable. Now that's cinema and you cannot convince me otherwise. (laughs) For real, that is cinema. (laughs) Hell yeah. And Esther's style, you know, yeah, we love that like little Russian doll kind of. <laughs> yeah. She's picked a lane and she's sticking in it. Yeah. <laughs> she won't change it for her American families.
1: Um, just getting into the the dad of it all. I, I really felt in this movie the way that the whole family kind of idealized their, their dad and slash husband was, was too much. They liked this guy way too much. They really put him on a pedestal. And it, it I'm just like there's a like there's a really weird dynamic in this family where everybody worships the dad.
2: He's making that sweet sweet neon art money. Yeah, he's an artist. Yeah.
1: Is it his money? Like, no,
2: I think it's the wife's money. I think she's the rich one.
0: She has some kind of like like more bureaucratic job, right?
2: Yeah, or I think yeah, I think it's like family money because she's mm. like going to like charity events and all that Probably. kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think there's a point in the film where he was like, Oh, but like, you know, I haven't done a gallery in a while. And she's like, No worry, we're okay, baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think it's kind of interesting. Like he is a pedestal and you know, even Esther falls in love with him immediately. And I don't know if it's because he's given like Mark Ruffalo vibes or something because we all love Mark Ruffalo. But like I kind of I was like, yeah, I can see that.
1: Yeah. He's just I guess he's just like charmed the pants off of everybody. And they're all just like, oh, man, I love this guy.
0: You got to feel a little bad for the guy, too. But
1: you yeah, know, we won't
0: get into it. But I felt I mean, a little bad for him.
1: He's got a killer studio, though.
2: Yeah. That house was goals too much. Yeah. yeah. I like um, I was kind of giving like jean Bonnet Ramsey. So like, oh, totally this orphan is based off of a um, like real crime that happened. Um, but I feel like this prequel was like giving also like jean Bonnet Ramsey case where like, I mean it's not it's not one hundred percent, but like the the brother kills the sister and the mom covers it up and the dad is kept in the dark because like he's so gentle and mm. he can't bear to see his precious baby girl dead. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think that's, that's interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Also, maybe that was a spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> I, I am. So like the thing about me is I'm pro spoilers. I really, yeah, I love spoilers. Cause I feel like when you're going to the movies, it's like such a visual, it's like a visual experience mm-hmm. in the same way as it's like storytelling and stuff. So even if you like kind of know what's happening in the movie, it's the journey that gets you there. So mm. I'm 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 always pro spoiler.
1: <laughs> nice. Yeah. This was this was another bright spot in uh, in the series. And to continue off of what you said, Kylie, what makes Esther not your final girl?
2: Are you asking me? I'm oh, asking okay, you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she is not your final girl because she has a whole ass movie after this. Nice. <laughs> but also, like she shows up and she gets what she wants she's kind of like a girl boss um and i respect it and she's just like batshit crazy and i love it so that's why esther's not my final girl
1: yeah this this whole movie paints esther in such a in such a light that i'm like oh she's definitely a sociopath but I find her quite endearing, especially when she's like all the shit with the like little mouse or the rat or whatever. I'm just like... I forgot about that. I'm like, that's Some real
0: Mr. Jingles stuff going on.
1: Yeah. Um. So how did Orphan First Kill make you feel? Nicole, let's start with you.
2: Oh, it made me feel great. Like, I love this movie. I thought the twist, it even captured me the second time. I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot that that happens. Um... Yeah, and I don't know. It made me, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. I just liked it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. No,
0: that's that's perfect. (laughs)
1: Kylie.
0: It makes me feel happy to just rejoin Esther for this first ride, but wild ride. She's
2: really fun.
1: Yeah, and it just made me so happy to have my expectations subverted.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, sorry, maybe I'll add one more thing like to kind of go back to the question about like programming, like where they go. This is one of those films where I think we showed it at like 7 p.m. on a Sunday. My intention was to screen it on like a Friday and have it be like, you know, more of like uh, uh, more people come out to movies on Fridays Mm -hmm. than Sundays. But I think it's something that should be seen with an audience because it's just so fun. Yeah,
0: I agree. It was This was the the most fun I had of the films. Some of them aren't meant to be fun. Um, And I I think more people should give it a shot. It's pretty darn good.
1: Mm -hmm. Agreed.
0: We went somewhere uh, really bleak next with the 2017 drama horror film Hegezusa, directed and written by Lucas Feigelfeld and starring Alexandra Quinn as Albrin, Claudia Martini as Mutter, Anja Petrovsky is Finda. Uh, The synopsis is, after the loss of her tormented mother, the erratic behavior of a 15th century woman living in an isolated mountain village becomes a threat to the safety of her infant child. Why did you pick *Hagazusa* for Not Your Final Girl?
2: This film has been on my watch list since it came out, and I never wanted to put it on at home because I knew what type of movie it was. Like I knew that it was slow, and I knew that it was dark. And I mean, like, I knew what it was about as well. Like, I remember seeing, I think, like, the crowdfunding thing for it and that sort of thing. So when I got the chance to program it, I took it because, like, I feel like it's something that should be seen in the theater. I mean, you can watch it at home, but, like, it's a darker movie, not only in the subject matter, but just in the way that it's filmed in some aspects and being able to hear the score um, on speakers I think is impactful to the story so yeah I and I guess to kind of like go more into like the theory or whatever of it is like it's a folklore film and like folklore is um something that is spread often by women like it's usually tales of like moral tales that are like passed down through family and through actions like um cooking sewing um oral tales etc So I think folklore films kind of fit really well into, I guess, I don't want to say like feminism, but um, they kind of fit into that sort of angle. And also so do witches. Like witches are like historically um, seen as evil and obviously like impacted a lot of women and families when witch hunts happened and that sort of thing. So I love showing a witch film. I love when folklore and which films go together. So it was kind of like an obvious pick. And I really love like the title and I love how it's designed. So (laughs) I think that like this movie is very like aesthetically pleasing too. So Mm -hmm. all around very my shit. I was excited to program (laughs) it.
0: Yeah. This was one that those little glimpses of it in the like overall curate like guest curator trailer. I was like, whatever that is, I want to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the posters, so great. Such a vibe. Um, and our favorite film from Not Your Final Girl 2022 was You Won't Be Alone, um, which is a witch movie. I mean, I think they're very, very different films. And I saw some like letterbox folks being like, if you liked that one, you'll like this. And I don't necessarily think that's true. But if you like witches <laughs> and and a slow film.
1: Yeah, it's like if you're a fan of You Won't Be Alone or The Witch or something like The Green Knight or something in there, give this one a try.
2: Yeah, you'll probably find something you'll like in it.
0: I um I really appreciated seeing like what you what you just said is so true of my experience, where after we watched it, I'm like, I'm so glad I saw that in the theater. I think I would have liked it at home, but It's just meant to be sunk into. And that's, for me, that's easier to do at the theater um, when people aren't
2: being total, like, losers. So (laughs) I really, and you can take this out if you want, but, like, thank you so much for going to that guy in the front row and telling him to get off his phone. I was sitting in the balcony for this one, and I was like, why is that guy sitting in the front row on his phone? Yeah, Why can I see the blue text from here? Like, literally, like, why... Come to the movie, sit in the front row to go on your phone, go home. But you are a hero for that. So thank you. You're welcome. I meant to to tell you that after the show.
0: It's my, uh, unless I feel like it's going to be like um, aggressive. If I say something, I always say something. We did go to one. We went to Kokomo City um, at Metro and there was a group of three people who I think were probably really drunk who like, we quite aggressively verbally talking the whole film. And I was like, I don't feel safe asking them to not talk. And I also don't feel like I want to ask the staff to either. Like that just doesn't, doesn't feel like anyone should approach these people. And like one like older white appearing man, like told them to be quiet and they still didn't. And I'm like, if he tried and it didn't work, I'm definitely not going to try. But this guy, I was like,
1: I feel like we've had a run-in with this guy previously because his thing that oh, really? he the thing that he does I don't, I don't is he it. sits in the middle, and then he starts taking photos. Yeah, that's of the what he screen was doing. and then texting them to somebody. <laughs> that's what he was doing. And I'm just so curious as to like what the fuck that it, that conversation is. It's like I'm at a movie. Check it out. <laughs> Here's stills from it.
0: My policy is, before I go and approach someone is always if it's happened three times in quick succession, I know it's not going to stop. Your favorite thing to ask me, Elliot, is always, what did you say? So I just went up to him. I always crouch down beside them, get on their level like I do with my students. <laughs> like if I'm talking to them at their desks. And I just said, hey, would you mind not going on your phone anymore? Everyone in the theater can see it and it's really distracting.
2: And he was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> and he didn't go on his phone he after didn't. that. So, you know, sometimes people just have to be reminded. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of closed my mind that he was taking photos of this screen. So like, I have this Instagram account and... um. Where I post like title cards to the movies that I've seen, so like I will take a picture of the title card in the movie, but like I always like have my phone at my chest <laughs> so nobody can see the screen yeah. of my phone. But like in the middle of the movie, it's like, what are you doing, yeah. buddy?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And
2: like full brightness. Yeah, there's stills online. Like you can download them. You can literally yeah. Google it and save it to your phone and send it.
1: Like and it'll look a lot better exactly. than any yes. photo that you take.
0: It was it was wild, but I'm I'm. Yeah, because I was so excited to see this one. I was excited to see it in the theater. And we're really picky about if we're going to go to a movie that's on a that where there's work the next day and it's a late show if we'll go or not. And this was a commitment because it was 930. It's almost two hours long, you know, especially once you get trailers and all of that. Um, and I was like, if this person ruins <laughs> this movie for me, and I'm tired tomorrow. no. So well it was that tr-
1: that it be. was tricky too cuz yeah there was that schmuck in the front row but then I was fully ready just based on what we'd seen to let the vibes just take over in watching this movie and this was the next showing after the closing film for the Northwest Fear right. Fest which yeah. was the last the last video store which the crowd was incredible and there was a lot of communal love that was happening a lot of YEG love that was happening but it was very close to that ending and the q a for that ending and then the start of this film and so there's a lot it was a sold out show so it's getting all of those folks out of the theater which happened but there's still some lingering in the lobby and being quite loud and obnoxious a little bit which when you have a film that is quiet and wants you to sink into the vibes it can be tough so like it was a bit of a struggle at the very beginning of the movie while those people were still hanging about and before they left. So it took a, it took a while to settle into the vibes I wanted to settle into. But as soon as I could, and as soon as certain people put their phone away, it fully overtook me, which was exactly what I wanted.
0: Yeah. Did, did you all like the movie? Yeah. 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 yeah I, I liked it. It was, Um. it felt to me like perhaps the most, depressingly realistic version of what somebody being branded a witch would be like which I really appreciated and liked but it was really icky too like in a not your final girl kind of way um and I I felt like at a certain point I was just drowning in the film and I and I liked that um but it was just like fully engulfing me like the visuals the soundscape the like the quietness with which we're following on like just in her life and these, her loneliness. And then these like awful things that happen to her that kind of punctuate parts of the film. And I really liked it.
1: Yeah. I, a word that I used to describe it was cold. Cause like we start off and it's literally like we're kind of in the dead of winter and it, the feeling and the vibe of it is very cold. But even as the movie progresses, uh, both seasonally and story-wise, It just you feel the coldness like you feel like Elbron is just so isolated and everybody is even when they are seemingly warm to her, there is still like a cold undertone to what they're saying or how they're responding to her. And it just adds to the to the bleakness of the overall film. It's yet another. It's great. it's another great yet upsetting allegory for how parents can really fuck up a person, which that's why we're here. <laughs> 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 but yeah, what were some takeaways for you?
2: Um, yeah, for me, like. Sometimes when I show a film that is like this, that I know is going to be maybe a little bit of a harder watch. I'm really nervous throughout the whole movie. Like I am mm-hmm. looking at people like at one point there was like a walkout. Oh, um, right. And like that sort of thing makes me nervous. So I feel like in some ways I would have like enjoyed this a lot more if it like wasn't my, my name attached to it because mm-hmm. I was like, I get very hyper-focused on so like, what people are gonna say or like think so like even when I go to movies I can only go with like specific people Mm -hmm. because I get too in my head on like what the other person's thinking and if they're like they're having fun or if they're Mm -hmm. like wow Nicole has such bad taste I'm never going to a movie Mm -hmm. with her again Mm -hmm. um but yeah with this one it was yeah just like really interesting and I was really taken with the score like I love a drone um soundtrack and I it was like pretty similar to like um the hacks and cloak which I had kind of written was like if you like you know like this um artist you'll like this movie and like he's the guy who did like the Midsummer score and stuff mm. and yeah I just thought that it was cold and like really interesting and it it doesn't like handhold obviously and it like really it gives you a lot to take away and I think a lot to kind of look up and learn about maybe what things were like back then or what some belief systems were. And like, yeah, I went home and started like looking up like, I think it's um, like Germanic folklore and kind of like that sort of thing and seeing like where these ideas came from that would have led her mother to do this and like led her, led her to be so isolated and um, thus the parts of the movie. But um there is a sexual assault that happens in the film, which I learned about just as I was writing the intro mm. for this movie. And a lot of times I like to give like a, like a content warning beforehand, but I also feel like that can scare some people. So sometimes I don't, but I actually, I ha- I went to the washroom right as this was happening. Like I didn't know it was coming up and that's just very typical for me. I always go to the washroom during like these like heavy plot points. Like I've missed like, when the Oscars, like, when Moonlight won, I missed when Chris Rock got punched. Like, I always end up going to the washroom during the worst time. And then I come back, and I'm like, oh, like, what did I miss? And, like, the person's like, literally everything. <laughs> 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 like, literally, like, from where the movie is going, like, here and starts to branch off. Like, that's what you missed. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I just, like, I like it. I really like witch movies. And, um yeah, I just thought there was like a lot to dig into and something that you can like think about again and again. And it it really gives like a vibe in a way more of like just a general kind of like heavy feeling. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I really and I really like the vibe. Like that's a vibe that you and I love mm-hmm. to to sink into. I just want to I want to circle back and we don't have to linger on this for too long. But just what you said, I so resonated with me and feelings that I have of just especially if you're so involved in something that people are participating in, or you're trying to encourage people to come out to. And if people aren't enjoying it or they are enjoying it, just getting so in your head and in your feelings of like, like, did I do good? Like, what is their perception? Not only of this thing, but also of me as a person. Like, I just like, I want to be cool enough and I want them to see me as cool. Or I want them to see like what I did as good and see me as good. So, um, on the one hand, it makes me sad that you do feel that way and that like you are kind of scanning or even like if you're with somebody, like just kind of like trying to, to get a read on how they're feeling about the experience. Um, I really, I really relate to that. And as I've, as I've gotten older and as I've done more therapy and as I continue to just go through life and have more experiences, I've slowly been able to like, kind of let pieces of that go. But, At the end of the day, I think when you're people like us that all say like cool shit and like being involved in cool shit, we can get really precious about that. And we want to make sure that everybody is on the same page as us and everybody is feeling good about
0: it. Talk about the time I took my sister to uh, see After Sun, thinking that, you know, having both lost her dad, she'd really connect with it. And her only response at the end was... i mean at least she has footage of her dad holy shit (laughs) i was like (laughs) i literally like cried for hours after this movie and i was hoping it would be a connecting point but okay back to hagazusa why is
2: albert not your final girl i think that this one is like pretty heavy so she goes through so much in the film um and ultimately, at the end, the things that she does, like, makes you, like, if you took it out of context, you'd be like, I hate this person. They're absolutely mm-hmm. evil, horrible. But at the end, you don't even really feel that way. You just feel sad and you feel like she's just been so wronged and, like, not given what she needs to really, like, survive as, like, a emotional human. Like, she, you know, barely has what she needs to survive, like, physically, but she has, like... There's just, like, no love, no friendship. She has to care for this, like, child that, like, she doesn't even, like, sure she loves, but, like, it wasn't by her own choice, you know? So she's my final girl because, like, at the end, you really feel for her even though she's done these, like, deplorable things.
0: I love that as another way to look at how a character can be like a subversion of that trope and it's not necessarily in the way that like Marie from our father, the devil is or Esther and how fun she is. Like this is another way that is really important to look at women, especially like as they're depicted within the horror genre. I really like that. Mm -hmm. How did Hey, make us all feel
2: Elliot
1: consumed by its bleakness and its beauty.
2: Nicole. Yeah, I thought that it was, like, shot so well. Um, and it just, like, yeah, really made me feel just, like, bummed out. But also very, like, interested in what has kind of led to her, like, character's downfall. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me feel re- researchy. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's a heavy movie, which I don't want people to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. But it is.
0: Yeah, not to help with that, but I felt adrift in the bleak, distressing visual and auditory landscape. Oh goddamn. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: I love But that. I
0: love that.
1: <laughs> I love that so much. I also love like the f- I love that you said researchy, because there are those movies that you just want to delve into. And you definitely are more partial to doing it. Oh that yeah, than I was doing I that after
0: this movie. Yeah. This is the kind of movie, and maybe this is just a me thing where I'm like, I would love to see this in like a curated exhibit of different kinds of art and like maybe historical documents that are all about like the history of witchcraft, like a like an art gallery exhibit where like it's playing on a screen, but then there's multimodal ways to think about witchcraft. Cause it just like wanted me to engage not necessarily with other films, but with like art Ooh, pieces. And,
2: yeah. Yeah. Mm. Totally.
0: And I would love to see like that kind of combining in like art gallery type spaces. Um, I'm sure there's places that are doing that, but
1: yeah, we felt that way when we saw Ennisman as yeah. well. Like, oh,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: Elliot brought up Ennisman as like a, a really good
2: pairing with this. Yeah. Well, cause that film is really great and it's a lot, but it really involves like a little bit of either knowledge of like what's going to happen or researching afterwards to understand what it is like Mm -hmm. yeah as soon as i got home from that movie i was like all right like (laughs) put on my cap gonna like log on and be like all right (laughs) let's read about like um what is it called like go uh i even like i wrote a newsletter about this too recently i I have the worst memory but yeah like logging on just being like all right i'm gonna like learn about this like stone tape theory
3: Mm -hmm.
1: do you literally put on a research cap
2: no that's my uh (laughs) the <laughs> Theoretical.
3: Theoretical <reason. laughs> research.
1: Okay, let's go to the final film in this year's Night Your Final Girl series. It's the 1999 horror romance drama *Memento Mori. It was directed by Dong Dongmin and Kim Yong. And it was written by Jung In, Yu Dongmin, and Kim Yong. And it stars... Gayu Ri Kim as Min Ah, Park Ye Jin as Hayo Shin, Yun Jin Lee as Shi Yun, uh, John Hak Baek as Mr. Go, and Kong Yo Jin as Jai Wan. Um, I'll also say Jae Kim as Yeon An. Synopsis. In this second installment of the Whispering Corridors series, also didn't realize that that was a thing, a young girl finds a strange diary capable of arousing hallucinations kept by two of her senior fellow students who seem to have an unusually close bond. Okay. Why did you pick this one not only for the series, but as the closer to the series?
2: Um, I love being able to show a queer film when I put this series together. It's really important for me to include that um, as well as like a Checks the Box is like an international feature and it's a film about... it's a film about girls which I think is um something that isn't like it obviously exists like there's but this one is more of a like a lot of the movie is kind of like a romance and it's like you know building on this kind of like schoolgirl like culture and that sort of thing so I thought that was kind of interesting to include in a series that is like about women quotations um And I think it it, because it's like an all-girls school too, you really get everything um, from like women characters. So yeah, that's why I picked it. It's not, I think like you said earlier, like some of the films aren't necessarily straight horror. It definitely has some horror aspects and tropes to it, but I think it's um, a little bit subversive in that Mm -hmm. and it's different. And yeah, for it being like part of a series, it's, it is in the way that it's like mm. Lars von Trier has his like melancholy series mm. Um, mm. where it's like not actually connected to the other films, but it's more of like a package sort of thing. Mm. So mm. Um, I was a little nervous about that at first, but then I was like, well, it's like completely different. The only thing is, is like the other movies also happened within the high school, which I think mm. they kind of mentioned in the movie. They're like, this is the sixth death in this high school. And should there be seven? Like the school closes down. <laughs> so... Mm. I really loved the
0: story that you told of how this came into your possession um, that you spoke about before the screening. Would you tell that story again?
2: Yeah. So um, when I was like, let's say like 18 to 21, I was really into buying and locating rare and like hard to find media. So I'd spend a lot of time on like Facebook buy and sell groups and other things um, searching for like cult films that I hadn't seen. And I had ordered one from this guy and this was released, I think it's called like the Tartan Asian Extreme Series. So it's like a, a set of DVDs that um, I think are like Korean, Japanese, like that sort of like part of the world um, packed together. So I'd ordered one from there and I believe it was called slither. And, um, he had sent it to me and in the box, he also included memento Mori and he's like, Hey, like enjoy. So I was like, okay, sure. Sounds good. Thank you. And yes, yeah, so that's how it's kind of came into my possession. And it's uh, one that I've like watched a little bit, but I'd never really like got through it. Cause I think as we'll talk about the beginning is a little bit difficult to get <laughs> yeah. into. Um, But, yeah, it's kind of interesting how, and I love hearing about, like, how people first watch movies or how they come across things. So it was just, like, a little special for me to, like, be able to show my own personal copy. Um, Because, like, obviously at the cinema, like, you have to, like, get distribution rights and stuff. So you pay for the distribution rights, but there's not always, like... The movie that goes along with it you sometimes have to find it yourself so for this one there's no dcp there was no blu-ray and they couldn't even find a dvd and i was told the programmer i was like well you know like i do really want to like show this movie i do have my own copy like we could screen it um and it was this big process they tried the projectionist tried to um make it into a dcp which didn't work so I mean, sometimes I feel bad that people are like paying to see a DVD copy, but it looked really good. The yeah. The Retro's um, projector, the new one, looks like really good. I was impressed.
0: And I mean, the, the other way to think of it is they'd have no other way to see it. That's right? very true. Um, one thing that I thought was so special, I haven't talked to you about this, Elliot, but th- through Letterboxd, uh, two of my former students, they graduated in 2018 They both went to that movie, and I didn't see them there. They both liked it. They both gave it a 7 out of 10. Hell yeah. Um, One of them had a really funny review. I can't remember what it was right now, but I was just like, oh, that's so, so cool that this movie piqued their interest. They went to it together. They really liked it and probably wouldn't have ever come across it otherwise, Um, and with absolutely no connection to me. Like, I had no idea they were going to be there, and I thought that was just, like, really cool. So... Yeah, I who cares that it was a DVD? <laughs>
1: I'm so tickled whenever we go to Metro and we come across any of the nuggets that you that you've taught yeah. previously. <laughs> yeah, like we ran into one of them at Anatomy. of the <laughs> A Fall. current
0: student. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. We're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you hear Miss Burton. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun for me too because because I teach in Laduke. It's close to Edmonton, but like a lot of students won't leave Leduc and they won't drive out to Edmonton. So I like when I know kids like cool films, I'm like, check out Metro cinema. Like, look at what they're playing. Like they had a a bunch of students and I was like, oh, they would have loved humanist vampire seeking suicidal consenting person. (laughs) I'm like, like they would have just been, they will be obsessed with it. So now I'll get to try and convince them to go to the, the showings that Metro is doing coming up here.
2: Um, I think being, being a teacher is so special and, um, especially like, cause you're an English teacher, right? Yeah. English and creative writing. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, like English teachers are always like, I feel like in people's hearts and, um, I just have a little story, which like kind of re- relates to Metro a lot is I had this film studies teacher when I was in high school who, um, was like incredible. And is like one of the people that like really was like a gateway to me getting into cinema and other things. And he, is still a huge part of the cinema community here. And um, you might have, like, seen him, but he did intro some of the uh, Northwest Fest or Northwest Fear Fest movies. Um, Was it Geek? No, Christian Zip. Oh, yeah, he was Hmm. the... moderator for the q a for
0: last video store.
2: yeah yeah so mm. um it's always like i that's another thing of like the magic of metro cinema but mm. like he's really involved and like he's a teacher that like changed my life growing up and now like i get to see him in like a context that's like like we're very uh like yeah well like if i see him we chat like we're we were going to be on the same board together for a horror film festival that didn't come to fruition but yeah it's just like so i don't know film and like English and that sort of thing just really kind of I don't know teachers are like in your heart so oh, right. I, I love that your kids are like like respecting your uh recommendations <laughs> and just being like hell yeah Miss Burton told me to go to this like they are the coolest
0: <laughs> I mean I think that's how that kid who ended up at anatomy mm-hmm. of a fall was I was like it's Edmonton film festival you should at least check out the palm door like
2: yeah um
0: but it's pretty I mean after they watched the like four and a half hour Hamlet Kenneth Branagh version, I'm shocked that they want to watch anything I recommend, but, you know, we make it happen.
1: <laughs> I think that's, I think that is really special because I actually, my, I had a very similar experience to you. I had a film teacher and like he was definitely my first step into not just watching like whatever the, the latest blockbuster was coming out in the theater. I remember him being like, you like do you like indie film? Like what kind of stuff do you like? I'm like, I like the butterfly effect. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's just like, no, no, no. And then he would like lend me DVDs that he had. And Yeah. He would, he lent me like Ameros Perros Peros and uh, like Citizen Kane, like a bunch of like this shit. He's just like, this is cinema. And he would show us pirated copies of whatever was coming out for the Academy Awards that wasn't in theaters yet. So he's like showing this class illegally, like no country for old men. I'm just like this guy is fucking sick. But I am appreciative to him um for broadening my 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 cinematic lens and the things that I like and the things that I seek out.
0: The current film teacher at my school was on the board at Metro for a really long time, so the legacy continues. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. <laughs> he he definitely gets students watching some cool stuff. He did a this can be cut out if it's way too off topic, but he did a um field trip to Metro with his film 20 and 30 students. And they watched like my personal copy of after Sun. Oh, and he hadn't seen it yet. I'm like, why would you subject yourself to that in front of students? Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. And then there was this whole, like, he's like, this is Miss Burton's favorite movie of all time. So the kids
2: who then knew me, they're like, whoa, like, What's <laughs> <Yeah. going on?" laughs> they've been given this like portal into your mind. Yeah. And they're like, okay. <laughs> uh, and then like at Metro, it, it was
0: really sweet. Cause, uh, one of my best friends is the art teacher at the school and she was there for that field trip. She was like the other chaperone. And most of these kids hadn't been to Metro. They've only been to like LeDuc Cinema or a Cineplex. And she said like when they turned the corner and like were in the theater, it was like they were at Disneyland. Like their eyes just went wide and like seeing this theater that's got history and and Yeah. I think that's so cool. Meanwhile,
1: we took our 11 year old niece to it. And we we're like, what do you think? And she's like, it's dusty.
0: <laughs> she said it was ancient. She's like, this is ancient. This is ancient history. Yeah. It only plays one movie at a time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and there's no climbing wall like at that one Cineplex theater. What is this?
0: She only wants to watch cool movies because she has crushes on people. She's like, I want to watch Scream with you guys because Billy Loomis. <laughs> How do you even know who that is? I watch
1: Riverdale. I love that. Of all the people, of all of like the hot sex Archie people in that show, it's like I like fucking Skeet Ulrich. I like, I like Jughead's Dad. King of the Vipers. I don't know what they're called.
0: Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll get her there one day. Okay, let's, let's talk about Memento <laughs> <more. laughs> um Okay, when this movie started, the opening scene had me like sold. Yeah. And then it went in some strange places for a bit. Did it take you all a while to just like figure out who everybody was in connection with everybody else?
1: Yeah, a little bit for me anyway. Yeah,
2: yeah I, um, cause it's so non linear. It's, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was just, it was a little hard to like figure out what the story was, who I'm supposed to be paying attention to, kind mm-hmm. of, and then where those characters are going with this yeah it took i'd say like a good like half hour yeah and where it is in the timeline
0: too at first it was like is this present day or is it the past once i had a lock on that i and like i i found my groove within the movie i started to really enjoy it and it just like goes full bananas like more than orphan (laughs) first killer a different way than orphan first kill i'll say and our like row two rows that we're watching it we're having a a lot of good laughs, I'll <laughs> yeah. say. Mm-hmm. But like with the movie, I think, which is always so beautiful.
1: Yeah. I. So a few thoughts that I had uh, upon reflecting on this is just that I feel like it just totally nails the... I mean, we're literally in the school the whole time or on the school grounds. And it's just like this perpetual state of being at school. But when I was thinking about that, I'm like... It's such an imp- School is such an important place for all of us for such a long period of our life. And it's the place where we're at, where we're meeting new people, discovering ourselves, discovering our interests, and having heartbreak, and dealing with the other shitty people that are there that don't like what we're doing. And I feel like it nailed that vibe so well. And I, I didn't feel like it was too even divorced from monster like Coriada's new film. Like I felt a little bit of a connection there. Um, But I I really, I really appreciated the, how it approached that. Um, And I mean, I love that it was a queer, a queer film, especially like just coming out when it did like, this is 1999, 1999 is a big year for queer films between this and like, but I'm a cheerleader. (laughs)
0: Yeah, which we saw right before this. So, which one? Uh, but I'm a cheerleader. Oh, yeah, yeah. we saw those back to back at Metro. So great film. Very like both very different
2: explorations of the queer experience, mm-hmm. um, but both pretty fun. That's kind of an interesting accidental double feature. Yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah. feel like Metro
0: did that on purpose no, at all. But. Absolutely
2: not. But that's that's great.
1: I love that two queer films from 1999. Both
2: in high school. Yeah. <laughs> I also feel like our little
0: group that saw this together will will be ta- using milk as a metaphor for queerness for <laughs> the rest of our days. It's going to be a fun little inside joke for yeah. all time. Yeah. Now.
1: Um, I thought like, the
2: oh, sorry, I was no. just gonna say feeling a little milky with our like alphabet cereal. That's like- <laughs> <laughs> so really good.
1: Um, I thought the journal was really impressive in this.
0: Yeah, I wanted like I don't know how I would do this. But in creative writing, my students have to have a composition book. It's like a sketchbook, but for writing instead of art. And I'm like, that's what I want their comp books to look like. Yeah. Because that was writing based. It wasn't an art based journal, but it has this tactility and this like ex- this like experimentation with style. Mm-hmm. Um, but I
2: don't think I should show them memento uh, more in my conservative high school. <laughs> put together like a cutscene of the journal just be like, look at this. This is what I want. <laughs> yeah. Spend all of your time doing this. Become obsessed,
0: and hopefully, none of you can read uh, Korean because yeah. I think there's some some dark stuff in this.
1: That was really impressive. I mean, like you think of the person that needed to type out all the pages for The Shining, and then somebody that actually had to sit down and craft this whole journal. Like this is this is far more involved, I would say. And it looked it looked gorgeous. Like there's little like die cuts in the middle that like have pictures in behind them. I was I I that was really taken with it. I thought it was really impressive. Something that this movie did to me a lot is it kept getting me with jump scares.
2: Me too. The noise, <laughs> the volume
0: of just like something getting like stomped on. Was there stuff getting stomped on? Yeah, and
2: like dropped and just <laughs> and like,
1: like teachers slapping desks and stuff. Yeah,
2: and like I mean, because it was just like a DVD quality, like the sound wasn't like perfectly level, so it was also really like the jump scares were really like tinny. So not only was it scary, it was also just like, like (laughs) my eardrums. (laughs)
1: Yes. Overall for me, this didn't quite get its hooks into me. Cause yeah, like I was compelled from the beginning and I'm like vibing it out, trying to figure out what, what it's trying to do. There's certain things about it that I really appreciate and that I, I did it. I did enjoy. There were some intentional jump scares that I thought were really effective but yeah, it just like, it didn't fully, it, it didn't fully grab me and, and kind of elevate the experience for me. Absolutely. But I'm curious what the two of you think about it.
2: Yeah, I think that, um, you're right. Like there's something about it that kind of keeps you from being fully like committed and taken into it. And I don't necessarily know what that is. It might just be like the nonlinear fashion of it or kind of it could even be, like, the translation of the movie, like, that sort of thing Mm -hmm. because sometimes when you see, like, an international feature, there is, like, obviously that barrier between languages Mm -hmm. Um, but I, after I kind of got into it and started figuring out, like, what was going on, I just, I really liked it. I liked kind of trying to see, like, who was kind of, like, the bad person or who Mm -hmm. the characters Mm -hmm. were and how it kind of, like, like, it was, like, this, like, string that just like had multiple knots in it and like it would just keep like building and building and you would think like this character is like one way and then suddenly you discover she's another way and um seeing kind of how like the paranormal and like ghost bits of that fit into how the characters are like informing their decisions I thought was really interesting
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I think that's a really
0: um important point about the potential like translation, like Lost in Translation, especially because it's doesn't have like a nice 4K release where somebody has like redone the translation and really like made sure that the nuance is carrying through. Because one of the things that later in the film I started to really be compelled by is like the character of Mina and why she is so obsessed with this journal and the potentials of reading this, this film as like queerness is haunting her and like her not, perhaps not wanting to like reflect on that in herself um, and that coming across with these two other characters and how they navigated their queerness in very different ways. And I read afterwards, there's actually like quite a bit about this just on Wikipedia, which I was surprised by because it's not super easy to find. And the filmmakers talked about how they were, they didn't want to put as much horror in it. And even what's in there, they were kind of told they had to put in. And I wonder how much of the film would have had more, like overt romance and queerness, if they had been allowed to, but in 1999, and you know, potentially like in Korea, the not being able to do that in the same way, and then also having to add in the scares. I think the there's something really beautiful and relatable and haunting in this movie that maybe got mucked up by all of that, but it's mm-hmm. there.
2: It there's a there's the root, yes, and it just needed to. <laughs> awesome. It yes. doesn't
0: quite get there, but there's yeah. some, but there is something beautiful in it and mm-hmm. Wikipedia came in clutch with this like pretty extended exploration of like the history of uh queer acceptance in queer relationships in Korea and talking about how I'm obviously not an exer- expert and I just read a Wikipedia entry but um how there there was a, a point in time where what was once really accepted no longer was. And I thought that Wikipedia had a beautiful quote where they said, at this moment in time, effectively made homosexuality invisible ghostly. Mm -hmm. And then thinking about the film through that lens is really beautiful. And, you know, obviously in a way that we can't connect to culturally, really important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a nice quote. I know. I'm uh, kind of obsessed with it. I thought it was really, really thoughtful. And I, I, it made me think of the, like, thematics of the film in a different way.
2: Mm-hmm. And I, I really like kind of the theme of, like, obsession in this movie as well. Um, I think and maybe you two can kind of relate to this. But the, I, what is the young, I, I guess maybe they're the same age, but the girl who discovers the diary, like, she's reading this and she, like, becomes obsessed with these girls in her school. And I feel like that is also something that kind of happens, like, like YouTube make this podcast where you like talk about yourselves and your emotions and your past and blah, blah, blah. And like, there's people that are engaging with that in your story, but they're not necessarily like engaging with you personally. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like this weird, maybe could become like para parasitic, like relationship. Hopefully that hasn't happened to you guys, but like as maybe you don't, or maybe you do know, like I used to be in a band and, mm-hmm. um, where like it was obviously, it was a screamo band, like, it, emo, whatever, so, like, there's a lot of, like, myself, my emotions in my lyrics, and I've found, like, as time goes on, like, people kind of develop this, like, weird relationship to me that I maybe don't have with them, obviously, Mm -hmm. like, through my work and my art, and I felt that that was kind of very, like, a prominent theme in this movie, where she, like, finds the diary, and she's, like, reading about their relationship, and she becomes obsessed with one of the girls, and, like, ultimately, which leads to her... I think she, her death. Kind, of, I don't know. Does she die at the end? Is that? Oh, s- totally spoiler. Sorry. I don't know, though. I feel like maybe. Like she like takes poison once and then yes. she's like, I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: like
2: she.
0: <laughs> First, she thinks she's taken poison and she hasn't. It was yeah. candy.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then she's like, well, I should definitely do this again. <laughs> but if you, if you think of it in that, like, she seems to, like, take on both personas of, like, like at different points, and it seems like um, Hyo Shin had this idea of, like, a suicide pact between the, the two of them, and she almost takes on the other half of that role. It is it is really fascinating. I, I feel like this actually would make a great um, analysis in a graduate studies, yeah. like, mm-hmm. queer film study course. I think there's a lot to pull out of it, but... Um, it's throwing so much at you on your first viewing that maybe it's hard to pick all of that apart.
1: Yeah, even even everything that both of you just mentioned and were referencing has even opened my eyes to it a little bit more. Even even as as we talk about and Thomas, who we reference quite often on this show, maybe it just hasn't opened itself up to me yet, but I'm I'm ready for it. Um,
2: I still don't understand the turtle. No, me either. It's cute like, though. But I liked it. It's cute. Yeah. yeah. It's like a turtle has a shell and it hides in its shell. Like, I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> I think you're probably bang on the money there.
0: <laughs> I'm
1: trying to find all the threads, but I feel like there are some direct lines you could draw between this and the never ending story.
2: <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a really long time, so I can't say yes or no, but. Yeah,
1: because there is like the person that, that finds the book that they're not supposed to have, and then gets finds ways to go and hide somewhere. Are in you their trying school. to compare the
0: turtle to Falkor? No, <laughs> <'Cause>,
1: no. no. <laughs> it, There's a, isn't there a giant turtle in? Yeah, there Never is. Story? Well, y- there you go.
2: When did Neverending <laughs> Story come out? Is that 1999? <laughs> no, uh, maybe you know what?
1: Eighties. Oh,
2: okay. Is it the eighties? Eighty four. Eighty
0: four. This was one that you know, as as I was putting together my notes and planning to ask you, why isn't this person your not your or why whatever grammar? Um, who is the not your final girl in this? Is it Hyoshin? I feel like
2: it is. That's her. what
0: that's what I have down. I have why isn't Hyoshin your final girl? Because that's what I
2: felt. Because mm-hmm. the story, even though we don't necessarily follow her as the main character throughout the whole thing, I think that the movie is like, she's the central point to the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that she is living her life and like experiencing this relationship is ultimately like what the movie is about. Um, And like, she is not the final girl, really, like at the end of the day Mm -hmm. um but i think because she i don't know if i have a really good answer for this because there's like so many characters in this story um and i think that it like fits into the curation as that piece but not necessarily kind of what it's like subverting because it like subverts like every everything like this movie is so different from halloween you know, mm, so different, mm-hmm. di- like all the characters are so different from Laurie Strode, that sort of thing. Um, but I don't know if I have like a really great like summary for her necessarily. I mean, she. I
0: feel like there's so much complexity in that character and because she's not the protagonist, like it, you would need multiple watches to kind of dig through what's going going on with her. But I, I was compelled by that character. Mm hmm. And, like, haunt the homophobes. Like, yeah, do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Big time. Okay. How did Memento Mori make you both feel? Kylie.
0: It ultimately left me, like, charmed by the bananas ride that it took me on.
2: Yeah. I liked, uh, I really liked the romance parts of it. Like, I liked that it ended with, um you know, this, like, past footage of them on the oh, roof. Yeah. Just kind of, like, you know, being girls in love. Um, mm-hmm. So in that way, it made me feel... I was just kind of, like, happy by the end, even though, like, it's sad because, like, there's all these things that happen, spoilers, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, I just felt that there was, like, so much to kind of, like, sink my teeth into. I think I wrote on Letterboxd, like, I was, like, it's, like, Shrek's, like, saying, like, <laughs> I'm like an onion. And, like, there's just, like, layers to this movie. And you just have to peel them away to get to... The center.
1: hmm
2: So that's what it made me feel. It made me feel like Shrek. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's great. And I think that that totally applies to me. Like I feel like I didn't peel back enough of the layers yet. But I feel like I can get there.
2: Yeah, you'll wake up one night just being like <gasps> in the Shrek, middle of the night. The mental morning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, it made me feel intrigued and compelled, but Left wanting a little bit more emotionally.
0: Okay, let's talk about dads.
1: Yeah, let's name the dads of Not Your Final Girl 2023. Bad dad nominee, who'd you pick?
0: I picked, I feel like I did a bad job of it and you guys are gonna have better options, but I picked Svinda from Hegasusa. Oh, yeah. Mm. I just, there was a lot of bad characters in these movies, and I think there's like, a, there's one in Memento Mori that was a really obvious choice. But there was something particularly devious about Svinda and this like, whenever we're thinking about these characters and then thinking about the things that they do, if they were in the lens of a parent that like befriending you and, you know, making you feel welcomed and like you have a community only to then have these ulterior motives is like the most devious and nasty thing I think a person can
1: do.
2: So I was like, big middle fingers to svinda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: what about you, Nicole?
2: Um I think the mom in Orphan is my pick. She totally. It's terrible, but also like there's this aspect if you look at it, like if you just remove yourself completely, but like a parent like letting their child in on this like secret that's so terrible that they have to ultimately keep to themselves and go within that family dynamic to keep that secret safe. Um, for their parent from like another parent and their family members. And that I think is like really evil and makes her a really bad dad.
1: Great. Nice. I also pick save the last dance herself. Yeah, we
0: Styles. always go with a three plus person majority wins, but um, add to it.
1: Yeah. Trisha Albright. Uh, yeah. I just, I think I echo everything that you said. I think that the unhealthy relationship that she has with her husband and her son um, is unhealthy. And she has a bit of a twisted outlook on the world and her approach to how she navigates the world. She's just not my kind of dad. So yeah, I'd say, Trisha, don't but be your our dad. dad.
3: <laughs>
1: Rat dad. I picked Nadia from mm. Our Father the Devil. We already kind of spoke about it a little bit, but she's just such a solid friend She's caring. She's supportive. She's a excellent wing person. Um, she's encouraging, and I think above all else, she seems to want to seek out and find happiness for the the person that she loves and cares about, and wants to see them happy and doing happy things with their life. Uh, so that's great. That's great dad energy. How about you?
2: Yeah, that was my pick, too. I nice. think <laughs> everything you said, like she's probably throughout the four films, like one of the only positive characters that is in the movies. So I think it's a, an obvious choice, but also like it makes a lot of sense for her character and Nadia or Nadia and Marie mm-hmm. and their relationship. You guys keep uh, two to one me, but
0: I picked Marie. Mm. in that like being your own parent kind of way which Mm. we sometimes (laughs) I think the first time we did that was with Marcel from Marcel's show (laughs) um just this idea of like learning to be your there for yourself and learning to be the person who like has that sense of self to reflect and change and, and grapple with the tough stuff and wrestle with your past and wrestle with your your present and I find her to be a really inspiring character in that way, Mm -hmm. but I totally accept Nadia.
1: The kind of person that you just described is totally who I think if she had more of a story, the lady on the bench at the bus stop in Barbie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's the rat. You're so beautiful. I know
2: it. I think Marie is a a good pick too. Thank you. Totally.
1: Nice. Okay. Okay. Nadia. Nadia. Be be your dad. dad. Okay. As we move into the end of this rad wrap, we like to talk about the things that we're going to take away from all of the films that we watched uh, and from the series. So for me, what I'm going to take away is I'm so grateful to have this series and that you've done it for as long as you have and that you still find joy in doing it and you're finding new films that you're excited about to include in this series. Uh, I know it's introduced us to so many great under-the-radar films that we wouldn't have otherwise known about or even had the means to seek out or see in any capacity. And I just love having other genre movie fans pick out movies that I know that I'll love. Um, So yeah, that'll be my takeaway. What about you, Kelly?
0: Thinking about these four films in particular... I was really moved and like reflective over this month of watching the four of them at how each of them speaks to like the different ways and and volumes, like the level, how quiet or how loud women can revolt against the harm and oppression in the various forms that it it takes upon them. um, And how all of those are like respectable, admirable ways to respond to harm. And I thought that that's going on in each of these movies in such a different way. And each of them are so valid and important. And and I thought that that through line was so beautiful.
1: It's so good. I like that a lot. The way that you said that, um, that it's, it's volumes.
0: Yeah, I just felt like each of these had like a different dial on how quiet or loud the character was, but they were responding to similar kinds of things, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that
2: a lot yeah that's really smart, way smarter than anything I could ever say. <laughs> that's not true. Um, for me, I guess my takeaway is and it is always kind of like this every year, but like I just love the range of emotions and personalities that I get to show through this series, um and the different lifestyles and choices and that sort of thing. But yeah, my biggest takeaway always is from the series is just like being able to show these movies to people that want to see them and like kind of generate this sense of like a little bit of community within a community. Um I think it's just really special to me. And it's just something that I've been teetering with a little bit. And it's like, should I continue this? Because it the theme of the series isn't necessarily groundbreaking anymore. Like, you know, when I started it five ish years ago, it was it was a little new, like this kind of like thing. But um I find that over the years, like whatever, I guess maybe it'd be like six years since 2017, six or seven, whatever. I don't, I don't math. Um, (laughs) It's not necessarily like the most riveting thing anymore, but it's nice to kind of have these conversations and talk about the films and see like, wow, like maybe they being able to screen some of these, like, even though it's not necessarily groundbreaking theory, it's still something that people are getting value from. So I'm gonna just, like, take away that. It's, like, a little, like, check mark to my confidence. We love it. It's, <laughs> and um, you two have been real troopers. Like, even Memento Mori, I was, like, I had a fucking day that day. And I was, like, oh, man, I can't. I just can't do, I can't do another movie. And then I thought about you two. <laughs> and I was, like, no, I'm going to see the movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's so funny because I think it was on the last day of the Northwest Fear Fest where we were seeing three uh-huh. movies that day. And you're like, have you guys been here for like nine hours? Like <laughs> what the fuck?
0: We really don't make a habit of it, but it's happened this last
2: little while. Um, and like, I respect that so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like it, incredible. Our um, families don't, but we're glad somebody <laughs> does. Yeah.
1: Um, I just wanted to say to you, like for sure, I want to, I want you to continue doing this as long as it's bringing you joy and that you're seeing positivity coming out of it. And even though, with what you're saying, that it may not be as big of a topic or something as it might have been six years ago, I still think it's as important to have somebody who is selecting these films and choosing these films for people to see and bringing out new audiences to discover these films. I think that there's a lot of importance in that. And I'm so appreciative that you do put in the work and the time to curate this series and keep it going. So as long as you keep doing it, we'll keep going. We'll keep encouraging people to go. Yeah, huge fans.
2: Thank you. Yeah, and I really appreciate you both giving me the chance to talk about these movies afterwards because I'm supposed to do intros for all these movies and I would love to talk about them, but it's always before the movie and mm-hmm. I don't want to say too much. So it's really nice to be able to take away and reflect on the series afterwards and have a bit of a conversation about the movies and how they do fit into the the curatorial statement and that sort of thing. So it's I great. feel
0: like we after we did the episode last year, it was just like next year I want Nicole here because all I wanted to do was – like pick your brain about it so we'll happily have you here (laughs) for as long as you continue to do this if you want to want to join us because it was a real joy to get to like speak to the person who picked these movies and, and hear more about why you did it so thanks for for what you do curating these and for what you do as a part of the programming committee at metro in general like we love that place and so appreciate everything that everyone involved in it does to to keep it what it is yeah so thank you to you Thank yeah. you. Yeah, um, we're, we're
1: more than happy to, like Kylie said, be the home <laughs> of your debrief every <laughs> yeah. year after this year. Sounds the
0: good. <laughs> um, Where can people find you or what do you have going on that you'd want to share?
2: You know, I, I'm one of those people that says yes a lot. So I'm always, like every year I find myself doing something new. So I guess the easiest way to keep up with me is um, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter. It's at nic see triple six le and then I have my like link tree there mm-hmm. where you can subscribe to my newsletter and my newsletter will always have links to like all the things I'm doing and involved in so if you want more me which like thank you, um, that's where you can do it. We'll put a
0: link to that in the show note and I am a newsletter subscriber and I really love thank it you. so <laughs> um, when I get my little like sub stack right yeah. email I'm like
1: Ooh.
0: <laughs> ready <laughs> to read <laughs>
1: nice but well, thank you again for being here we appreciate it so much and we look forward to the series next year and having more conversations with you whether it's about this series or just having you back for unpacking another favorite film or something
2: yeah please do i love it in this like little comfy space so <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: great okay so i'll say for bad dad rad dad we officially consider not your final girl 2023 radically wrapped Thank you so much for listening. We drop a new episode of our regular show every Thursday. You can follow us and slide into our DMs on Instagram and threads at baddad.raddad. As Kylie said, we'll put links to all of Nicole's places you can find her in the show notes as well. You can get a sneak peek at what we've been watching on our individual Letterboxd accounts. We'll put those usernames in the show notes. And we absolutely would love you forever if you could share us with the rad people in your life. And drop us a rating, review, or follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from and that's going to do it for these final girls who are not yours this week so until next time
0: Uh, i'm kylie and my dad's dead
1: i'm elliot my dad's a deadbeat But remember not all dads have to be bad